Eagles Entertainment. Hi, this is Doug Peterson, and you're listening to the Eagles Insider Podcast with Dave Spadaro. Hello, Eagles everywhere, and welcome to the Eagles Insider Podcast, presented by Lincoln Financial Group. Insider Dave Spadaro with you here on this tailgate edition of our Eagles Insider Podcast. And we all know this, everybody. Win and the Eagles are in the 2019 NFL playoffs. It all comes down to Sunday, MetLife Stadium, where the Eagles are 7-2. and two. The Eagles have beaten the New York Giants six consecutive times, including oh, an overtime escape on December 9th. Now, we're going to set it up for you here with a great, great podcast. Later on in the show, we'll find out from the Giants' perspective about Daniel Jones, their rookie quarterback, who threw five, count them, five touchdowns in that win over Washington last Sunday. Sal Palantonio, ESPN, comes around again. He only comes around when the Eagles are winning, and he'll talk about this team. And does he think the Eagles will beat the Giants? We'll find out. Merrill Reese, the voice of the Eagles, joins us as well. And I always love talking to Merrill. He is very confident in the Philadelphia Eagles this week. You won't want to miss that. But let's begin with a veteran on the defensive line, really one of the heartbeats of this football team. First-round draft pick in 2010. One of the heroes from Super Bowl 52 and somebody who keys the Eagles' defensive effort and who really knows what the emotional pulse of this football team is. We begin our Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group with the great number 55, Brandon Graham. It is time now to talk to BG, Brandon Graham on the Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. And BG, the last time I saw you, uh, I was shooting Instagram. Uh, Sidney Jones had just knocked down a pass. You came off the sidelines and looked into my camera and went, you were ripping us too. Yeah. You, got, you got pissed off at everybody last week, didn't you? Man. Didn't you? you? I did. I did. People, people came after the Eagles defense. Oh, yeah. They came after us, you know, and um, I was just happy the way we just responded yeah. and, you know, the way we went out there. Um, I felt like it, our spirit, that's what it really was, you know, the spirit, because we was well prepared. We always prepare for the games, but we got to keep the spirit up, stay in these games and, you know, make sure that, um, you know, that, that's like I say, the, the fans, you know, had a part in that too. How hard is it to play with that kind of energy as a group every single week? Oh, man, you know, it's hard uh, to get, you know, because you got to get everybody refocused, you know, on something new, a new task that we got to get completed. And I think, uh, you know, Doug does a good job of that, you know, but sometimes it don't go our way as we want to. But right now we got we down to one game, man, and, you know, everybody should, should feel it, you know what I'm saying, because I feel it. And I see that, uh, you know, we're getting, we getting hot at the time we want to get hot. How do you, as a guy who's been here in this position before, how do you get that message through to every single person in that locker room that, it's not about Dallas is so in the past that a couple days from now it's about the New York Giants, a very good football team, even though their record doesn't say that. Uh, sometimes, you know, the situation people should know, you know, this is the game that we need because we, we didn't get those shirts or the hat. And I feel like that's a good point to have right now is, man, do you want to get that shirt and hat? You know what I'm saying? You don't want to, you know, let them Cowboys, you know, get that shirt and hat. You know, we got to take care. We got to finish it. You know, and that's, that's what we talked about all year is finishing these games and finishing, you know, this season. Now we at the point where we got to finish this season uh, to get what we want. So literally the equipment guys bring up a trunk full of NFC East championship hats and T-shirts mm-hmm. that they will only get out after a victory on Sunday, right? Yeah, that's the only way you get them. And then you wear them like they're gold. Yep. It's an incredible turnaround here this season, isn't it? It is, man. And, um... You know, you got to keep believing. You know, it's never over. You know, and so uh, we got one more game. 
Uh, we just got to continue to stay focused and make sure that we uh, don't take nobody lightly because every game is a playoff game. We need everyone. And, you know, um, I don't want to go home. BG, why is Saquon Barkley so good? Uh, man, you know, first off, he's young. You know, uh, you've seen the tape from when he was in college, uh, especially against my Michigan boys. You know, he looked he look good, you know, and uh, playing against him, he's strong. He got good balance. And, uh, you know, when he stiff arms you, he try to, you know, throw you to the ground. So you got to make sure that um, you, you get you rally to him in numbers. And then you got the young quarterback, Daniel Jones. I mean, we didn't see him a couple months ago, a couple weeks ago here. I, I don't know much about him. Big, strong arms, moves around, yeah, five I, touchdowns on Sunday. I mean, I know. That's what I'm saying. You know, he, he's, he's streaky. You know, he's, he's a guy that goes in there that I haven't seen that can light up the scoreboard. So we got, we got our hands full because they got receivers. They got a uh, running game. And so we got, our, uh, we got our hands full. But I know that um, we're going to be up for the task. Carson Wentz said after the game on Sunday that he felt that asked about the personality of the offense, that because of all these young guys playing, there's a lot more, there's a lot of energy, not a lot more, but there's a lot of energy. You feel it with some of these younger players who have gotten a chance to play and how hungry they are and how hard they work? Oh, yeah, you know, and I feel like the chemistry is, is developing really good, you know. I think that, you know, Carson is starting to have trust with a lot of guys, and so that's always good for a quarterback. And I think that uh, G. Ward is, you know, is a big one. B. Scott, you know, I mean, you got Miles who's coming into his own, you know, as a as a rookie, you know, it's a good promise for the future. And uh, uh, Goddard, you know, finally showing them boys what he can really do, you know, and so uh, – Man, it's just all promising. You know, I've seen Zach went down, but for Zach to come in and show the toughness that he showed coming back from ribs, you know, um, that that it, it in itself, you know, shows the type of team that we got. BG, great family, man. What is the this week, what is this holiday season like for you? How do you keep it all focused? Because your kids are young. They're at that age where they really need dad to be present with them. And then this football team needs you to be present with them. So how do you manage all that time management and energy wise? Well, you know, in between, you know, when I'm not in meetings and, you know, doing stuff uh, football related, I think that, um, you know, FaceTime, you know, the technology now uh, allows you to be able to, you know, see them real instant, you know, uh, and so I FaceTime a lot, um, talk to the kids. Uh, sometimes if they're at school, you know, I know what time to get out. So, um, you know, I call around that time and make sure that I'm always, you know, when I'm not there, I'm, I'm there knowing what's going on and seeing how their day been. So uh, I think, um, you know, when it's that time to be with family, I'll be with family. And when it's time to work, it's time to work. And how do you feel energy-wise going I, into game 16 of the season? Man, I feel good. You know, um, you know, I was – you know, you're always dealing with little stuff here and there uh, during the season. You know, I was dealing with knee, you know, a bunch of foot stuff, you know what I'm saying? But now, man, I mean, just with the situation that we're in, you know, it's like a fresh start for me. Everything is starting to come together at the right time. Finally, you before we got on the air here, you were drinking a, the shake. The shake that, that Stephanie makes, everybody drinks a shake mm -hmm. when they come off the field. What is in your shake and why? Um, I got uh, strawberries, blueberries, bananas. Um, a protein of my choice, and then um, you got like, I got hemp seeds, uh, chia seeds, you know, just different things. Uh, just trying to stay healthy, and you know, trying to get that protein for after practice. What's uh, the protein? Um, I do uh, a vegan um, protein. Oh, dang, I forgot to actually. Are you a name. good eater? I, I try to a healthy be, eater. Yeah, it's much, for the most part, but you know, you got your you got your vices, you sure. know that you do. But uh, I can't stay away from the pizza oven. This year, for the most for the most part, I've been uh, been on my on my uh, eat right game because um, you know people in the back, you know, make meals for me. You know, sometimes it's like, no, nah, I want that meal today. I want this because of certain stuff that they have out there. But um, I don't have as many cheat days as I used to have. BG, thank you so much for joining us here. 
Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and let's beat the Giants. Yes, sir. Happy holidays. BG in the house. We're coming right back. Let's go. Thank you so much, Brandon. Now it is time to bring in the voice of the Philadelphia Eagles, Merrill Reese, who has been so relentlessly positive about this team. I give him credit for nailing long ago the idea that Greg Ward, if given a chance, would be an excellent receiver in this NFL. He's done exactly that. So let's bring him in now, the voice of the Eagles, Mr. Merrill Reese. We now bring in the great Merrill Reese as the Eagles get ready for Sunday's game against the New York Giants at MetLife Stadium. Merrill, we are focused on the Giants, but for a moment, because I haven't talked to you since then, let's talk about the win on Sunday over the Dallas Cowboys and how much fun you had in the booth calling an epic defensive battle. Oh, I had a ball. I, I really had a ball. And I felt going into the game that the Eagles' best chance was to keep it a low-scoring game. You didn't want to shoot out with the Dallas Cowboys. But they started the game strongly. I mean, the Eagles got the ball first, and they took it right down the field. ended up with three points. Would have been better to put a touchdown on the board. But nevertheless, they got off to a strong start, as opposed to what happened in Dallas, where they turned it over on their first two possessions. Yeah, interesting. Let's talk about some of the things. The defense, the most physical defense I've seen all year, very few mistakes. Great tackling. They shut down Ezekiel Elliott. Boy, where's that defense been all year? I don't know. I mean, you know what? We saw that defense play very well against two good teams, against New England and against Seattle. And actually Buffalo and Chicago oh, before and Buffalo that. and yeah. Chicago, too. But mm-hmm. when you're talking about those guys, you're talking about teams that are used to going to Super Bowls. And they just did, they just did a great job in those games. And then they took it to the heights this week. When you can contain Ezekiel Elliott to 47 rushing yards, that's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, they talked all week about running to the football, which is what they're going to have to do on Sunday. We'll get to that in just a bit here. And then offensively, Merrill, we're continuing to see Carson Wentz and his development. And what do you make of this? I think Doug has pointed this out over the years since Carson arrived. Even when Carson got off to a great start, Doug talked about the maturation process of a quarterback. You don't get it in one year or two years. I mean, some are particularly gifted to the point where they rise quickly like a Patrick Mahomes. By his, But don't forget, Patrick Mahomes sat for an year. entire year before he took to the field. Carson Wentz had to learn on the job. And then he had the injuries in the second year. He was having an MVP season in the second year. And in the third year, I think he was hampered by the brace that he had to wear on his knee. I think that slowed him down. It took away the escapability, the movement in the pocket that he's enjoyed. And then he played with a back injury until he could no longer. But this year, you have watched him develop. He never got down. He had some rough patches, uh, especially in ball security. But these last couple of weeks where we've watched him quarterback to come from behind wins against the Giants and the Redskins and then from start to finish play like an all-pro this week has really been exciting. It seems like since halftime of the Giants game, the season turned around. And I wonder, would you? I would point in 2017 to Jake Elliott, the 61-yard field goal, Eagles go on a run. Is it possible we look back and go that halftime, that third quarter coming out against the Giants, everything changed? 
Well, I, I, think, I don't know. I think that's what opened our eyes. And I think there was, there was such a bad feeling after blowing the opportunity in Miami. And this team rallied. Look at Doug Peterson's. Look at Doug Peterson's record. Just look at his past performance, the way he has held this team together. I actually thought last year in getting this team to the playoffs and winning a playoff game was an even more difficult job than what he performed in winning the Super Bowl. I thought that was remarkable. And if this team can take the final step and go to the playoffs, it is, in my opinion, a successful season. Now, if they beat the Giants and go to the playoffs, then I'm going to say now they have to win a playoff game. <laughs> but if they get to the playoffs after where they were, what, at 5-7, five and 5-7 seven, five and seven with four games left, if they end up in the playoffs, it is a successful season and another remarkable coaching job by a guy who is really among the best coaches in the NFL. It is incredible. And, and his approach, Merrill, he's always positive. He's always upbeat. He's always got great energy. He is demanding to the players, of course. But he really knows when to back off. And he's doing all of this while backing off the players on the field. It's, we talked on Monday, Doug and I, about him and his approach. So what he does is they do a lot of these mental reps, walkthroughs, and, but they spend time in the individual portion of practice working on the mechanics of the game, the tackling, the, the technique. And the, play, the Eagles, for the second year in a row here, playing their best football in December. I, I'm, this is a new way of approaching the game. In the past, coaches would strap on the pads and go after it. Doug, instead, is doing the opposite. Well, uh, an old friend, an old departed friend by the name of James David Ryan once said to me that the teams that win are the teams that play when the snow flurries fly. Well, we've been lucky weather-wise. There haven't been any snow flurries, but the calendar says we are in late December heading for New Year's, and this is when the team has come to play the best football all season. Another thing I have to point out, and this is to those of you who are used to listening to Doug in interviews or seeing him on the sideline or hearing him on a podcast, Doug Peterson off the air is never a guy, no matter who he loses, no matter what the situation is with the team, he's never, woe is me. He never complains, well, we lost half the secondary, or we lost Jordan Howard when he was really playing well. He simply goes, next man up, and we're going to win with him. He keeps that positive attitude, and he is the same approachable good person after a loss as he is after a win. Okay, next up, the New York Giants. Yep. A very difficult game. Everybody really needs to be screwed in, dialed in, focused. This is not going to be easy on Sunday at all. Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, good receivers. The Giants last week put on a clinic offensively against Washington. Scary team. Scary spot. I, I guess it is uh, because of what is at stake. But I'm a little bit tired of hearing some of these national interviews and authorities saying that they still expect the Cowboys to win the NFC East. They're predicting that the Giants are going to rise up and beat the Eagles and the Cowboys are going to dispense with Washington. I heard Charlie Weiss this morning on the air on satellite radio uh, set a whole scenario where he honestly believes the Cowboys could end up in the NFC Championship game. They refuse to believe that this Cowboys team goes in and out of disarray. And they refuse to believe that this Eagles season has recaptured what they had at the end of last season. But I don't think it's an accident. 
And I think that the Cowboys are what we saw last week. And I think that the Eagles are what we saw last week. And I think the Eagles are going to play extremely well and with the sense of urgency that is required going into this game. Well, I'm glad that people believe the Cowboys. Oh, I, I, I don't want anybody in this building to think that it's going to be easy on Sunday. That's everybody's biggest fear, you know, I, that there's I a letdown. Up, I woke up at the breakfast table uh, reading the newspaper, as I always do on a home game, and I saw that every writer in the Inquirer had picked the Cowboys. Every one, and few even made it a real close game. Everyone, they're, they're not usually unanimous on anything except the last time they were unanimous was the Eagles winning in Miami. Right. Well, so do you think, how do you think this team will approach it, Merrill? How does this game start on Sunday? I mean, we, we can't obviously expect the Eagles to come roaring back in the fourth quarter again. A Giants team that's young, that's got nothing to lose at all. They'll play very loose. I wonder how Doug gets this emotional level back, and the physical level back to where it was on Sunday. You know, we talked about uh, the fact that Zach Ertz gave a locker room pep talk and went back in history to uh, the invasion of the Gulf of Mexico or something, and he talked about the, the leader getting there and telling the troops, burn the boats. In other words, we don't want an escape. We're either going to do or die in this in, in, in this theater of war. And, of course, they, they conquered the enemy. And that was what the Eagles had to do. Burn the boats. You win this game or your season is over. And they will take that same motto. That will be this year's underdog's motto. Burn the boats. And, and that's how they're going to approach this game. Win this thing or go home. By the way, let's talk about Zach Ertz, who is the best tight end in Eagles history. Agreed? I, I think he's really, really very, he's, very good. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm already I, I, anointing I, him for Pro Bowls. Well, I, I would think you, uh, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not saying in any way, shape, or form sure. that he's not great. P. Hose is no, a Hall of no, Famer, right? No, no, that, that, but that's another, a different that's era. That's a completely different era. Yeah. But the Eagles have had some very gifted tight ends. Charlie over the years. Young, terrific. Charlie Young was a great player. Keith Jackson, Jackson great player, was a great but, player. Brent Selleck. What he meant to this team over this long career. But would you put Zach Ertz at the top of that group? I think I would. I think he does everything. I think I would. He does everything. And what also he does, Merrill, he played on Sunday 51 snaps with a rib that had significant injury to it. Yeah. Man shows some amazing toughness. Well, again, he is so tough. But it's the nature of the position. I don't, I don't think there's any tougher player than Brent Selleck who played a whole season with a torn labrum. I mean, they're, they're tough. Their tight ends are but tough. There's a, but there's a, the new wave of tight end is not, they don't want to get down and get dirty in the well, trenches. Brent they don't want to block. Did, and Zach, and Zach Ertz Ertz has, has, has become that. Yeah, he is. So I wanted to applaud him for that. I, I, felt, I, I felt that that was such a great show of leadership. And that's why I think that Sunday. See, Zach Ertz would go out there if he had two broken legs, if they let him. I mean, that's Zach Ertz. He, he just is tough. And that's why I think Sunday the Eagles... Anybody who's worried about a quote-unquote letdown, I just don't see it coming from a veteran-laden team. You can't let down in a game like this. How can you let down when your season's on the line? I mean, you, you race when the bus leaves you off. You get dressed as fast as you can and run out onto the field two hours before kickoff. I don't think, uh, I don't think there is anybody who isn't going to go into this with all the fire burning that they can muster up. 
And then, Merrill, finally, let's talk about Miles Sanders, his development among all the rookie wide receivers, uh, rookie running backs that you've seen. And we're going back to, I mean, the days of Charlie Garner and, and, and Deuce Staley and Brian Westbrook and all the way through with LaShawn McCoy. Is Miles Sanders the most impressive rookie performance that you've seen? I think he's been terrific. Yeah. I, uh, before the season, I asked Deuce about Miles Sanders, and he said, He's the real thing. This is the best back we have had since Shady McCoy, who I consider the best back in modern Eagles history. And all you have to do Agreed. is look at the, the look at the numbers. Mm-hmm. So he's been great, and you still have that. I still have that photo on my fire over my fireplace of Shady leaping over the Lions in the, in the snow game. Yeah, yeah. but so, I'd, always, so I'd, I'd love to see. I'd love to know what's in Merrill's man cave. Well, I don't really have a man cave, but I do have a, a family room with a lot of football and a study with um, a lot of mementos of my career. But I'm not a I'm not an autograph seeker or a memorabilia collector. But I do have things that are very very special to me, and that that photo is one. And then in the there I have I have two jerseys hanging in my family room uh, that are framed that are shadow boxed and under spotlights. One is the number 15, the 1948 Eagles jersey of Steve Van Buren. And the How'd other, you get that one? Uh, I, I, was, I was honored. No, actually, it's, I think it's a replica jersey okay. that was given to me at a Union League uh, a function uh, where I spoke. And the other, a number of years ago, we played the Eagles played the Cowboys in the final game. And when we got to our hotel in Fort Worth, the Naval Academy, was staying there, too, because they had a game with Middle Tennessee State in the Armed Forces Bowl. And uh, so whenever you have a college team staying at your hotel, there are souvenir stands for their fans. And I went over, and at the urging of my producer, Joe McPeak, I bought a number 12 Naval Academy jersey, Roger Staubach. And I I went to the, the, it cost me quite a bit of money. I mean, it cost me about $220 to buy this thing. And I took it to the booth that night, and I said to my friend Brad Sham, who's the wonderful broadcaster who does the Cowboys games, I know Roger lives here in Dallas, and I know that you see him and you're friendly. Could you have this signed? And I love Navy. I was a Naval officer, public affairs officer, and I've always rooted for the Naval Academy. And so a few weeks later, the jersey came to my house, and it said to Merrill, a great Navy fan, Roger Staubach, number 12. And that hangs in the other shadow box. Okay. Uh, do we finish your point on Miles Sanders? <laughs> Sorry. My, my, my point on Miles Sanders is that he's terrific. And what I like about Miles Sanders is that he is a terrific young man. Yes. There's nothing. Uh, he, he He's not somebody who blows his own horn. He's not overly vocal. He's a quiet down-to-earth guy who, if you talk to him, will tell you that he appreciates every day that he spends playing football at the highest level. Can't wait to go to practice. Can't wait to prepare. And I, I knock on wood and say that so far he has been incredibly durable. He's getting a lot of carries, and when they lost Jordan Howard, that really could have been curtains, but he took on the extra load with the help of the little spark plug who wears 35, Boston Scott, and he's been terrific. And finally, Merrill, the question that every Eagles fan wants an answer to, 
Sunday, Eagles, Giants, do they come out and win this football game and win the division, Merrill? You feel like the, this team is going to do it? Yes. And that is the shortest answer I've ever given. You can give it. You can elaborate on it if you'd like. <laughs> no, I do. Oh. I, I do think they beat the Giants, and I don't think it goes to the last minute, and I don't think it goes to overtime. I think that going into the fourth quarter, Eagles fans will be able to savor it. Now, I, I better not be wrong or I will be tarred and feathered, but I think Eagles fans are going to be able to savor this one as the regular season comes to an end, and then it's get ready for either the 49ers or the Seattle Seahawks. Love to hear that, Merrill Reese. Thank you for joining us once again here on the Eagles Insider Podcast. Happy holidays. My pleasure and a happy, happy holiday to you. The National Perspective Now, ESPN's Sal Pal, joining the podcast. We now welcome into the Eagles Insider Podcast, presented by Lincoln Financial Group, for a second consecutive week. This must mean the Eagles are winning, <laughs> ESPN's Sal Palantonio, and the Eagles are winning. Yeah. And Sal's here. Yeah, David, I think they're in good shape. I really do. I like, you know, they found a sense of purpose and definition against the Giants and the Redskins, and they really found heart against the Cowboys. You know, Doug talked about pride kicking in uh, after Monday Night Football. And he said anger, and I think teammates said anger was really an important emotional component of uh, how they beat the Cowboys. And I, th I think that that is true. You know, sometimes, as Marty Schottenheimer said, David, football is a game of the heart. You can't have X's and O's. You can't have matchups. You can't have a great quarterback. But it's not easy. You don't find people walking around at Broad and Chestnut who want to go out and hit people for a living. You know, to perform that violent act on a football field and perform it well takes heart, takes emotion. And the Eagles had a lot of heart in that game against the Cowboys. They really did. So how do they get back up to that same level? That's the big question. Eagles fans, I know they're out there going, oh, boy, please don't, don't come out flat. How do they avoid that? Yeah, I got a sense from just talking to players after the game and in the last couple of days that they understand the moment that they are in, which is rare. You know, that they, it can be mutually exclusive of the past and the future. And understand the here and the now and what's at stake. Carson Wentz talked about it. Doug Peterson talked about it. It's going to be Peterson's point of emphasis right until Saturday night and game time on Sunday morning. You have not done anything. You haven't done diddly. And hopefully that's enough of a gotta wanna to get these guys to perform at a high level. And I think the bottom line is this. If Carson Wentz does not turn the football over, and I hope you're listening to this right now because I'm going to say something that's crazy to a lot of people. If Carson Wentz, David, does not turn the football over, the Eagles have a chance, in my view, to go to the Super Bowl with uh, this team. Gulp. Well, let's, um, I, I will take the view of let's just go one step at a time. Yes, but I'm but just saying. But there's no doubt that, is the, that single statistic – has been the constant this year. When the Eagles don't turn the ball over, specifically Carson, the Eagles win. Yes. When Carson doesn't turn the ball over, the Eagles win. This team has enough playmakers, and they're really – what's interesting, too, that's what's going on, David, is that Carson Wentz is now working with these younger players, and they are enmeshing themselves emotionally and with uh, an intelligence and a, and a sort of like a – intellectual curiosity about the game as it's happening. Whereas when he started out as the rookie quarterback 
and he had to come back a second time from the injuries. He had to step into guys who were already there, Alshon Jeffrey and others. And he had to sort of conform to their way of doing things. And now these guys are growing up together on the fly. When I mean these guys, I'm talking about Miles Sanders, Greg Ward, and Boston Scott. And I, I think it's a remarkable, quickly, quickly remarkable transformation. I really do. Then the question in the NFL it's is It's kind of cool to see. It's very cool to see, but it's also bizarre in the sense that these are practice squad players. These are not first-round picks, second-round picks, third-round picks, with the exception, of course, of Miles Sanders. How much do we maybe overvalue or overrate the talent level on a football team? Or is it just there's just so little separation from a first-round pick to a sixth-round pick? You know what I'm saying? Well, I agree with you. Car- these players are now following Carson, which is very important. But they're still marginal NFL players who have nothing guaranteed beyond this week. And Carson has been forced to learn from Greg Ward and Miles Sanders and Boston Scott, their rhythm. You know, chemistry is important. Rhythm is important. Is it more important than talent, Sal? Uh, I think it can be. Look at Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. They won a lot of Super Bowls with a lot of no-name wide receivers that are not going to the Hall of Fame. Tom Brady was a sixth-round pick. Kurt Warner was packing groceries in Iowa and won a Super Bowl. So, yes, I think we sometimes do overvalue first-round picks. You got to have those guys, right, at left tackle or extreme speed on the outside. And you only find them really in the first or second round. But Greg Ward, to me, is the next Julian Edelman. He's a former college quarterback who can do a lot of things really well, loves the game of football, plug him in and play, has good hands, wants to do everything on the football field. I think he really, to me, of all the guys that we're mentioning, Miles Sanders is a, is a blue-chip prospect. Yes. No, no question. Blue-chip prospect. Greg Ward, Julian Edelman was not even drafted, just like Greg Ward. you got to have those guys, and you got to find them, and they've got to find a way to make your football team better and excel in certain situations. Saturday night, team hotel, What's Doug Peterson saying to this football team? I don't think it's anything really out of the ordinary. That's the great thing about Doug. He'll put it in real succinct terms and simple terms, like he did the night before the Super Bowl. His speech before the Super Bowl was not fire and brimstone. It was, this is our opportunity. Let's take advantage of it. And he will say pretty much the same thing to this team, to Greg Wards, to Josh Perkins, and the other guys who have played well recently and say, this is your opportunity to put your stamp on it and for you to say this is your division title. And here's the other thing. Don't discount, don't undersell the fact that Carson Wentz has watched Nick Foles for two years bask in the glory. Carson Wentz is not immune to what is heard outside this building People saying that Nick Foles should have stayed and Carson Wentz should have gone. And now Carson Wentz has put together not one, not two, but three great games together. And he has a chance to win his first division title and be healthy in in December. Knock on wood, knock on wood. And to me, this is about number 11. And so far he has answered every critic, every bell that is rung. How does this game play out? How difficult will it be to beat the Giants? I don't think it will be very difficult. 
I really don't. I think, it, again, if Carson does not turn the ball over and the Eagles get a lead, they will win the game easily. From your lips to Doug Peterson's ears. <laughs> Sal, thanks so much. Okay, thanks Let's win you. an NFC East title. Thanks, Sal. It is time now to go behind enemy lines. Giants.com's John Schmelk, who I feel like I've been talking to forever. We just spoke three weeks ago. Now we meet again. Eagles at the Giants. But there is a twist here, John. You got a rookie quarterback at the helm. Tell us about him. Yeah, Daniel Jones uh, played well last week against the uh, Washington Redskins. He threw five touchdown passes, no interceptions. His counting numbers this year have been really good. Um, he moves the ball. He makes decisions. Some rookies, as you know, Dave, can sometimes be a little bit wary of throwing the ball down the field. Daniel Jones is not that at all. He will put the ball in the tight spots. He'll throw it into coverage. He'll trust his receivers to win one-on-one. Um, he takes chances, and it, it, it's evidenced by his, his turnovers this year. He has, I think, the third or fourth most turnover-worthy plays, a metric that pro football focus tracked in the NFL. Um, so he will give the ball up. He has trouble controlling the ball in the pocket. He's gotten stripped a bunch this year. I believe he leads the NFL in fumbles. I think he is 23, if memory serves me right, and he has double-digit picks. So he'll move the ball. He'll take some chances, make some big plays, but he's also ripe for some turnovers if the defense can make plays on the ball. It's seems, though, that the Giants do have something really good working here with Jones, with Saquon Barkley, with Darius Slayton. Is that kind of the threesome you look forward to uh, in this game for sure and moving forward? I throw in, throwing Shepard and Golden Tate, I honestly believe that with those wide receivers, they will pick the matchup and attack it. Last week, Darius Lane was only targeted, I think, two or three times over the course of the game, and Sterling Shepard was the guy in that game. Golden Tate had a long touchdown catch. So I think it depends on the matchups. They go after the matchups they like, and when you have three wide receivers that are all good but you know not superstars, it, it's the benefit of not having to force-feed one guy. So they will find the matchup given on, on whatever given play they're running against whatever particular defensive player or scheme they have, and they'll just attack whatever works on that particular play, which I think is a good thing. John, what is the in your it just kind of an overall picture of the Giants and the offense? We saw them three and a half weeks ago. The Eagles did a nice job after a really tough first half. As you look at this game, how how much have the Giants improved, I guess, in the in the two games since? The big difference is Saquon Barkley. He's kind of been building up the last few weeks, and it started. It really did start with the Philly game, where he made a few plays in that game where you're like, hmm. This looks like pre-high ankle sprain Saquon. Then he made a couple more against Miami the next week in a win. Then they made a few more than that in the game the following week against Washington. And then he exploded against the Redskins. And it was just, wow, that's the Saquon Barkley where if you get him one-on-one in space, you are not tackling him if you're a defender. Uh, So he looks like his old self in terms of his mobility. Um, He was a weapon in the passing game. He had a long screen pass. He had a 63-yard, 67-yard touchdown run. So he is the explosive guy that you remember from last year. So the Eagles better gang tackle him because he's going to be a real tough guy to tackle one-on-one. And really the Giants do need a big-time game-breaking type of playmaker. They don't have that you know, Julio Jones type of wide receiver. Barkley can be that big play guy. So if there's a difference, Dave, the biggest difference between what the Giants were three weeks ago to now is that Saquon Barkley looks like the real deal Saquon Barkley. And what is the health situation as an offense moving into Sunday's game? 
honestly as healthy as they've been. Uh, Evan Ingram was put on injured reserve uh, the last couple weeks. I'm not sure if that was before or after Philly. He didn't play in that game, but he got put on IR with a foot injury. He's going to have a – I think he had the procedure done actually last week. Uh, so he's out for the year. Mike Remmers at right tackle is dealing with the concussion. Nick Gates uh, played the second half of the game last week, and he started a game earlier in the month and did a real nice job at right tackle. So I don't think it's that much of a downgrade with, with Nick Gates at right tackle. Otherwise – they're really, really healthy. So uh, the the Giants' offense is coming into this game feeling pretty good about themselves. Defensively, John, uh, look, I mean, the Giants, it's a, a very young secondary. Uh, the front seven seems good. The front four, for sure, is stout. It was an interesting matchup last time. The Eagles, with Boston Scott, Greg Ward, Joshua Perkins, 199 yards combined. I mean, it was remarkable. And the Eagles have continued to roll. What do the Giants do this time around to slow the Eagles' offense? Yeah, I was watching some some tape with with Carl Banks this week. We watched the second half against the Giants. We watched, you know, the last two weeks and uh, the job that you know your coaching staff I think has done manufacturing yards and points basically using Greg Ward and then a bunch of running backs and tight ends has been spectacular. Now, who knows about Zach Ertz this week with the rib injury? And, you know, I think a big key is, you know, doing things fundamentally well. You have to tackle in space. We saw that late in the game against Philly on Monday night where they got it to, to Ward out in the left flat. The Giants missed a tackle, went for 15. They missed a t- couple tackles on Boston Scott in the right flat. What could have been a five-yard gain goes for 17 or 19. So that's the one. You've got to tackle in space. The Eagles are going to attack the perimeter. And I think the Eagles have also just run a bunch of screen passes the last few weeks where they get it to Sanders in space. They get it to Scott in space. They run tight end screens, too. And you have to be disciplined there. You have to be able to read what's coming, not get too far upfield trying to get after Carson Wentz. And if you can do those things, I, I think, and it sounds weird in the modern NFL to say this, you make the Eagles wide receivers beat you. You don't let the running backs and the tight ends get you. And I think you also have to tackle Carson Wentz when you get to him. Because I think he has held the ball a little bit longer the last couple of weeks because, you know, frankly, nobody's getting open that quickly. But he's really good at evading pressure, and he's really elusive. He ducks under those sacks, which he's really good at. So when you get there, you have to finish. So if there are some key fundamentals that you got to do, I think those are them. What did the what, what's the impact been releasing Janoris Jenkins on the locker room and on the defense? Well, it was one less veteran in the defensive backfield for one. So now you basically have three rookies across the board. That we'll see about Corey Ballantyne, who's been there, you know, starting slot corner as a rookie. He has a back injury. He has not practiced yet this week. So you have two rookies, two virtual rookies outside. Sam Beal's a second-year guy, but he didn't play at all his rookie year. So he's basically playing as a rookie this year at one outside corner. You have DeAndre Baker, who's played all year and has slowly gone a little bit better at the other outside corner. And then if Ballantyne can't go, Grant Hale who's a second-year undrafted guy at Penn State, you know, he'll, he, he'll be the slot guy. So it's one less veteran guy out there. I, I feel like the players understood why the Giants did what they had to do, and they live with it, and they moved on. The one thing about this group, Dave, and you've been around losing locker rooms, some teams quit. This team continues to play really hard. They're into it, and they're really motivated to try to go out and win this game this week. Yeah, that's the last question here, John. What would a win mean for Pat Shermer, for Daniel Jones, for the Giants? We, we've been in a situation where you win at the end of the season and you feel like you carry momentum into the following year. Is that the way the Giants are approaching this? Yeah, especially with all the young guys. And I think when you look at it from big picture, you don't you know, take – you know, the results in, in, in at the end of December as as a big deal, especially, 
you know, against some of the competition. But I think it's more important. I think this is real, and they should look at it. Is the progress of the young players, and that's turning into wins finally. Does Daniel Jones continue on an upward trajectory? Does uh, the young defensive backs make fewer mistakes? Is Julian Love, who's been starting at safety and doing a real nice job, a rookie out of Notre Dame, uh, does he continue to play well? Do you get something out of your young pass rushers like Lorenzo Carter? Does Marcus Golden keep uh, playing well? He's, you know, uh, he got the double digit sacks last week. He has 10 on the year now. Does Dexter Lawrence continue to play well defensive tackle? They had to make a decision on Leonard Williams at the end of the year. He's going to be a free agent. What do they want to do with him? So I think it's a big individual analysis type of situation when you're having a year like the way the Giants had, when you have to decide what you're going to do moving forward with this roster uh, as you finish out the season. And, you know, a lot of Giant fans are worried about draft position. They get mad when the team wins. They want the better draft pick. But there's really a dichotomy here. If you want your young guys to play well, which I would hope Giant fans do, and I know people in the building obviously do, that means you're going to win a couple of games. And for the long-term health of the franchise, would it be nice to pick the highest possible spot in the draft? Sure. But I do think it's more important that the young guys on the roster that are going to be the foundation moving forward play well enough to generate victories. John Schmelk, Giants.com. See you on Sunday. Thanks, Dave. Thank you. That will do it for this Eagles Insider Podcast Tailgate Edition presented by Lincoln Financial Group. 425 kickoff on Sunday from MetLife Stadium. Make sure you're with us before that. Our kickoff show presented by Exalta from the NovaCare Complex, Amy Campbell, Fran Duffy. I'll be live at MetLife Stadium as well. And we'll get you set for the game. Got you covered all the way through the game. And then the post-game show presented by Rico. And then shortly after that, Once again, the Eagles Insider Podcast. Instant reaction. Make sure you're with us on PhiladelphiaEagles.com, our social channels, and, of course, our app. We are leading the way in coverage as the Eagles. One win or a tie, and that is really important here. If the Eagles tie, they win the division as well. All right, everyone, thanks for joining us. Keep subscribing. Keep rating us, passing the word. We're on a late-season drive here, and we are hyped at the NovaCare Complex and we thank you for all of your support. Insider Dave Spadaro, thank you, Trevor Hayes and Peter Kelly for putting everything together and thanking you for being with us each and every time we have a podcast. Have yourselves a great Eagles day, everyone, and fly, Eagles, fly. E-A-T-L-E-S, Eagles!